You are listening to Venture Church Podcast. For more information, visit jointheventure.com or facebook.com slash jointheventure. We hope you enjoy. Do you like to know when you're doing well at something? Uh, I, I know that's this one of my, my pet peeves or one of my, my idiosyncrasies or whatever word you want to put in there, uh, my OCDness. But I like to know when I'm on the right path. I like to know when the things that I'm doing are, are correct, when I'm doing the right things. I want, I want affirmation of that. I want somebody to be, come up and be like, Patrick, you're doing a, a great job. Or, Patrick, you're on the right track. And, and I think because of that, um, that that's got a lot to do with why I really enjoy playing video games and especially role-playing video games. Uh, RPGs are my favorite style of video game because in an RPG, you know when you're on the right track. You know, you, you go out and you kill some pigs and bring back their ears for the guy that asked you to go do that, and he gives you experience points. And you're like, all right, I got some experience. I know what I'm doing. And, and then the more experience you get, the more you level up. And the more you level up, the more skills and abilities you have. And that's just amazing to me because I know that there's a clear, logical path to go through and do the things I need to do. I know exactly what step I need to do next to get to the next level. And I can look at my experience bar at that gauge and go, man, I only need to kill 15 more pigs and then I'll be level three and that'll be awesome. What if that, our whole lives were like that? Guys, let me talk just to you for just a minute. Think about this. Imagine this. What if you could do something that the more you did it, eventually you would level up high enough to get the skill to understand what that woman in your life is thinking? How amazing would that be to be able to understand what's going on behind those beautiful eyes? Now, I can say that because my wife is in the back and she can't hear me, but just know that it's okay. We could get there one day. Or maybe, maybe that's not you. Maybe, maybe it's your job that you want to know you're on the right track with. What if you could know that all you had to do was this certain amount of things, exactly this, follow this particular path, and then all of a sudden you would level up and get a promotion or a raise or a day off. And then you had, all you had to do was this, and your boss would be happy. What if it's dealing with your kids? You know, all I've got to do is run them around the house one more time and they'll go to sleep. Done. We're on it. But this idea of knowing where we are is so wonderful. And maybe you're not a gamer. Maybe levels and and gauges of that nature you don't understand. But we all have gauges in our life constantly, consistently. We pull out our phone and we see that little Wi-Fi gauge or our battery gauge, and we know how much longer, how well we are going to be able to talk. We get in our car, and we see the gas gauge, or we check the tire pressure, and we use an air pressure gauge, and we have all of these things that tell us we're doing what's right, that we're on the right track, on the right path. Even our bodies have gauges, internal gauges, that tell us when we're hot and when we're cold, when we're hungry, when we're thirsty, when we're tired. But what if our whole life had a gauge? What if everything that we did, we could point back to this one thing and really know, really know that we are on the right track? Right now, we're in the series called Thrive, where we're trying to not just get by, but to do our best, to do our greatest, to be the best person that we can be, to thrive and not just survive. And that's an amazing idea, an amazing topic. And, and last week, Chris was talking about our thriving faith. And he said that faith is a muscle that you've got to work out, that you, you've got to keep doing stuff that builds your faith because the more you work it out, the stronger your faith is going to be. 
and that you need to do it with, with little baby steps. You need to take a step at a time and take a step at a time and keep working and keep working and keep stretching and keep uh, messing with it until all of a sudden you've got a strong faith. Well, check out this passage in James chapter 2. Just a a quick verse where James, the half-brother of Jesus, is talking to us. And he says, What good is it, brothers and sisters, if you have faith but no deeds? Can such faith save them? What good is it if someone claims to have faith but no deeds? Can such faith save them? James is saying... How can we know what your faith is like? Faith isn't a tangible thing. You know, we want to work it out, but it's not something that you can see. It's got to be something that you do. James says we can gauge our faith and our level of faith and our strength of our faith by looking at what it is we're doing because of our faith. Looking at what it is that we're doing because of our faith. So here's a question. How amazing would it be if we could gauge our walk with Jesus. How amazing would it be if we could look at what we're doing for Christianity, what we're doing with God, whether you're beginning on the walk or you're thinking about the walk or you've heard about the walk or you've been on it for 30 years, that you could look at it and say, you know what, I know that I'm on the right path. How amazing would life be if you could get those levels in and go, man, I know all I got to do is this. And I think that's a fantastic question, and that's what I want to talk about today. That's what I want to dig into and see if we can figure out how to gauge our fruit, how to gauge our walk with Jesus. And at Adventure, we have this privilege every week of going to the Bible to answer life's most important questions. And I'm going to do that today because I think that God is going to have said it much better than I ever could. Uh, If you don't have a Bible here today, there's some under the chairs Uh, You can grab one. If there's not one nearby, take your neighbors. Uh, They won't mind. Um, And if you don't have a Bible at home, take one of those home with you. Um, We think that the Bible is important enough that uh, we want to make sure you've got one in in your home so that you can dig in. And as we get through this message today, I hope you'll see the the necessity of that. But we're going to be in John chapter 15, and and this is a really interesting passage in John 15 because the Gospel of John, which is one of the, the four books at the front of the New Testament that tell about Jesus' life. In the Gospel of John, he, he spends the most time between the Last Supper and the crucifixion. He, he's got three chapters there that he goes through what happens from when Jesus breaks the bread and he tells his disciples that he's going to die until he actually is arrested and murdered. And in that section, we see an intimate Jesus. We, we see a Jesus that's not just a Savior. We see a Jesus that's not, not just this overwhelming power um, and speaker and teacher, but we see a Jesus that's a friend. We see a Jesus that loves the people that he's been spending these last three years with. We see a Jesus that is love. And in John 15, what's happened is Jesus has just broken the bread in chapter 14, he, he's just shared with them that he's going to die. He's just shared with him that he's going to raise again. He's just shared with them he's going to come back and get them one day. And then at the end of 14, he says, all right, let's leave. And they go out to the Garden of Gethsemane, to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus has got his three closest friends, the disciples James and John and Peter. And he tells them this, John chapter 15. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up 
thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus says, if you want to know that you're on the right track to thriving, all you got to do is check your fruit. If you want to know that you're on the right track in your Christian life, check your fruit. Jesus is saying it's all about what we're doing. There was a great acting uh, coach that uh, started several different schools, and she'd actually learned under Konstantin Stanislavski, which is a, a big fancy name that was the father of uh, what's become method acting um, and whatever. But Stella Adler was a very ritzy, you know, she ended everything with darling. You know, that was the way she talked. You know, she'd tell you something and say, darling, uh, except she did it much more sing-songy than that. But Stella Adler had this one thing that she said about being on stage. She said, on stage, you can't be anything. You can only do. Can't be anything on stage. If I came on stage right now and I just stood here, and you're like, Patrick, what are you doing? And I said, I'm being a fireman. You would say, no, you're not, because I'm not doing anything that a fireman would do. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He says, if you want to be a Christian, you can't just be a Christian. You've got to bear fruit that a Christian would bear. You've got to produce like a Christian would produce. You've got to do the things a Christian would do. And he uses this metaphor of this vine. And he says, if you are connected to me like a vine, then you will be able to have this flowing through you. Now, I'm not much of a gardener. In fact, uh, my granny Jean would say that I've got a black thumb. Uh, every plant that I ever touch, it dies. I've, I've tried to garden. And, you know, I get uh, one little watermelon about that big, and the rest of the garden has died because all I cared for was that one little watermelon. Um, but granny Jean has got a green thumb. In fact, uh, my great-grandmother, uh, her mom, would say that granny Jean had a, a green arm. You know, it was, she was so good at plants that she could break off anything. Like, she'd walk by a tree and break it off, stick something in the ground. It would sprout and grow and keep going. Um, she often threatened to break off one of my arms and stick it in the ground so she could have another Patrick, but I would never let her do it. I said, one of me is enough. We don't need any of that. Uh, but I don't know anything about gardening, but I do understand connections. Uh, I don't know if all of you know this, but I'm actually an IT guy. Um, in fact, I am the IT guy for this particular school that we're meeting in. Uh, right now, which is kind of surreal that I'm standing in the cafeteria that tomorrow I'll have to come and troubleshoot uh, Miss Richmond's computer, and today I'm, I'm preaching the Word of God, and that's awesome. Um, but I understand connections. I understand the way things work, especially uh, Wi-Fi connections. Um, that's one of the things that, that my brain likes to, to fiddle with. And if you were to pull out your device right now and, and see, there are three Wi-Fi connections that you could probably see. Now, one is our, our venture connection that we use to connect the soundboard, and the other two are NHCS Wi-Fi connections. One is a guest Wi-Fi, and, and one is the, the official county Wi-Fi. Um, now, when you talk about a wireless network, there, there are certain things that you want to see on a wireless network. You want fast speed, you want constant connectivity, and you want to be able to be secure while you're on it. You don't want to have to worry about viruses and things that are going on. Well, these two connections that we have are very, very different. You see, the guest connection is a connection that anyone can connect to. Anyone. Anybody that pulls up in the parking lot gets close enough to one of these access points, they can get on that network. What that means is there is zero security on the guest network. 
If someone gets on with malicious intent, we can't do anything about it. If someone gets on with a virus on their computer and it wants to transverse that guest network, we can't stop it because we put the guest network out there for people. So there's no security. But I think worse than that is that it's also the speed on the guest network is about a tenth of the regular network. It's throttled way, way back because the county doesn't want to waste bandwidth on people that are just getting on the guest network to look at Facebook. They said teaching is more important. And then the very worst thing about the guest network is if you get on and you're idle for 10 minutes, it kicks you off. So the guest network for New Hanover County Schools has got zero of the good things that a network would have. It's not got fast speeds, it's not got security, and it doesn't have any uh, constant connectivity. And some of you are sitting here going, I don't understand what that's got to do with the vine. I don't understand what that's got to do with Jesus saying, be connected with me. Look at this for a minute. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He says, if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. What's the fruit of a good wireless network? Well, opening web pages is a good one. Uh, watching sweet YouTube videos, that's a good one. Uh, being able to, to get some work done, maybe, uh, if you're one of those people that do that on the Internet. Um, but that's the fruit of, of a wireless connection is you want to be able to do those things. And, and the guest network doesn't, doesn't have that. But if we develop if we develop this connection with Christ, we start to bear fruit. Wi-Fi connection brings you web pages. What does a connection with Christ give you? Well, Paul, one of the, uh, the great missionaries, the writer of most of the New Testament, he tells us in Galatians chapter 5 some of the things that being connected with Christ will help you to bear in your life. He says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, good, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. He says, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. He says, these are the things that a Christian is going to bring forth. These are the things that if you are doing Christianity that you're going to be showing. And this is where that connection comes in. Because some of you are sitting there going right now, but Patrick, uh, I, I know people that don't have anything to do with Jesus. I know people that are completely atheists. I know people that have never walked in a church a day in their life, and they love people. Some of the most patient people that I know are the unchurched because they wait around on Sunday for the stores to open. That's not really true anymore, but I thought it was a good joke. Apparently, <laughs> nobody got it. Um, but you think, man, these people are outside of Christ, and yet... They experience these fruit of the Spirit. And, and I'm going to say you're right. Sort of. Sort of. They experience. They experience it in a moment. They experience it in, in, a, in a flash. Back when um, Ashley and I first started dating, it was this really cool time in my life. I, uh, I met her at camp. 
And she left early from camp and went away for a week. And then when she got home, I rushed as quick as I could to go and see her. And, and me being brought up in a house with uh, four women and myself, uh, I, I knew the way to, to win her heart was to bring her some flowers. So on the way there, I stopped and I, I got her some flowers. Now, I'm going to be fair. The ones that I got were not nearly as nice as these because there wasn't a Trader Joe's near her house. And, um, and so all I could afford was one rose. Um, and so I got her one rose, and I get to the door, and I'm all nervous because I've not seen her for a week, and I don't know if she's going to remember what I look like and if she's going to still think that I'm uh, cool and want to hang out with. But uh, I knock on the door, and I, I'm standing there with this rose, and she comes to the door, and she's all excited, and she gushes like a girl does. You know, she says, oh, look at that flower. She gets a vase and puts it in, and I'm feeling good about it. I'm like, yeah, I did something right. Well, through the course of the evening as we're eating supper and, uh, and doing that thing, Ashley says, by the way, Patrick, just want to share something with you. Not a big fan of fresh cut flowers. I said, oh, okay. And she starts explaining why. She says, when you hand me fresh cut flowers, all I see is death. It's like, oh, well, okay. And then she explains why. She says, the reason why she sees death is because really these flowers are already dead. They're no longer connected to the plant. They can't grow anymore. They can't be sustained anymore. All you can do is manage to keep these alive. They look like the fruit of something that's connected and growing. When in reality, all they are is waiting to decay. She said, if you're going to get me flowers, give me a plant that I can put in the yard or a potted plant that I can keep in the house. And so I've done that. Of course, my black thumb keeps killing them, so I keep getting more. And so might as well just get fresh cut flowers. In fact, I'm going to give her these after the service today. <laughs> but, but that idea is still there. When you get on that guest network, when you're connected not with Jesus, not with the real thing, it's like fresh-cut flowers. They smell good. They look good. But they don't last. They don't reproduce. They don't keep growing. But I want you to understand that just like flowers, our lives go through seasons. There are going to be days that you feel more love than you do other days. There are going to be days that you're going to feel more joy than you do on other days. But just like you don't go and cut down your oak tree in the winter when it loses all its leaves, you don't have to break that connection with Christ because it's going to come back. It's going to come back and it's going to be there again as long as you keep that connection going. A rose bush that is planted produces flowers year after year. But it's all about that connection. It's all about being connected to the root, connected to the source of life. But for some reason, Christians, we've gotten this absurd logic in our brain. We think that we can apply this illogical fact to our life that we will be able to produce Jesus' fruit even if we're disconnected. That we don't have to be connected to Jesus things. We can be connected to the world, to non-Jesus things, to anti-Jesus things, and still produce fruit that is in keeping with the fruit of the Spirit. We think that's okay. We think that, that we can just show up every once in a while and it'll be all right. That we don't have to go and do more. But remember, that's our gauge. That's how we look and see where we are on the track of doing for Jesus what we're supposed to be doing as we look at our fruit and so this absurd logic just doesn't work. In fact, James, in James chapter 3, he talks about this. He says, brothers and sisters, 
Can a fig tree bear olives? Can it? No. Can, can a grapevine bear figs? No. Can a salt spring produce fresh water? No. And James asks these questions in a way that says, you know the answer is no. <coughs> Excuse me. You know that the answer is no. You know that there's no way possible that that's going to happen. And yet we think with our faith that we can just do whatever we want and we still call ourselves Christians. We can just do whatever we want, live however we want, and it's okay. But here's the thing that we need to understand. You are going to produce from what you're connected to. You're going to produce from what you're connected to. Whatever you spend the most time digging into, whatever you spend the most time absorbing, whatever you spend the most time connected with, that's what's going to come out of your mouth. That's what's going to come out of your heart. That's what's going to come out of your life constantly and consistently. That's why Jesus says this in, in John 15, going back to that first passage. It says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, whatever you ask... Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. He says, if you are in me, then my words will be in you. Now, you've all seen this in the movies where at the beginning of the movie, the mentor is there and he's telling the, the, the main character something profound and he's telling him, all you got to do is remember this. If you just remember this in your times of strife and, and trouble, if you just remember this, you guys know what I'm talking about? You know, use the force, Luke. But it's not just Star Wars that does that. All kinds of stories do that because it makes sense. You want that connection. You want to stay connected. I'm sure you've had it happen in your own life. I know for me, it's, there's just one particular thing that I do that every time I do it, I hear my father in my, in my head. Um, I, I'm a, an amateur carpenter. Um, I'm not good. Uh, I make things that almost don't wobble. It, it's nice. Um, but I really enjoy it. I, I like building things. I, I like creating things. And um, my dad was an amazing carpenter. He could, he could build anything. In fact, he literally built his own house, um, like all by himself. It was an amazing uh, feat. He even made wormwood, um, which is this holy wood that looks like it shouldn't be used but uh, it was really expensive, so he just made a board with nails in it and smacked the board a lot. And I was like, it's good. It's wormwood. But he always told me this one thing. He said, when you're going to cut, measure twice and cut once because I left my board lengthener in the other truck. Now, when my dad passed away six years ago, I, I went and looked for that board lengthener, but I couldn't even find the other truck. And so I always remember that. Every time I get on the chop saw and I'm getting ready to make a cut, I think, let me, let me measure this one more time because my board lengthener is in the other truck. And I hear my dad very clearly speaking to me. Friends, the more we get into Jesus' things, the more we're connected to his root, the more we're connected to his vine that wants to fill us with life, the more we sing songs to God and about God, the more we dig into his word and, and hide his word in our heart, as David says, the better connection we're going to have the better fruit we're going to produce. Because as we build that connection, those words are going to be there. 
And when you find yourself in a trial, when you find yourself at, at, a, at a loss for words, his words will come to you and you'll be comforted. And you'll have that peace that passes all understanding that he talks about in Philippians. And the more we're there, the more we'll see God helping us make choice to thrive and not just survive. But look, I'll be honest. I don't know where you are today. I, I don't know where you, where you fit into this branch of Christianity. I, I don't know how, how you are connected with Jesus or if you've ever been connected with Jesus. I don't know if you're here today for the very first time and maybe you're only here because you work at Alderman. And I said, please come hear me preach. But I want to share something with you. You can be put back in. You can get that connection back. No matter how far away you think you are, you can get that connection back. When I was 11 or 12 years old, um, I was living near my, my granny Jean. Remember the green arm? Could make anything grow. Uh, I was living near her, and, and her mom lived just down the road. And in Grandma Blanche's yard, there was a pear tree. Uh, a beautiful pear tree, big, giant, wonderful pears grew on it. I mean, they were as big as your fist, and you ate them, and they were so sweet. Uh, they were super grainy, and I don't know if that's just the kind of pear it was, or what, but it was, they were so good that you didn't mind eating sand to have them. And one night, a storm came through. It was in the summer, I remember, because I wasn't in school. A storm came through, and I don't know if they got struck by lightning, or the wind did it, or something happened, but the biggest branch on that pear tree got ripped out and fell on the ground. And Grandma Blanche was really upset because uh, Granddaddy uh, Elmer had planted that tree and, um, and it was the only one that was left and so she was super sad. And so my grandma calls me, or Granny Jean calls me and gets me over there and says, all right, we're going to do this. And she comes out with a kitchen steak knife. Now, I think it's because it was the only knife she could find, but that's what she was using. I remember it very clearly, you know, wooden-handled, serrated kitchen steak knife. And she starts hacking at that tree, hacking at the branch that had fallen off. And she's, she's cleaning it and shaping it and getting all the splinters off and just going to town on it. And then she goes over to the, the tree itself and starts working in the, the groove of that. And then she gets some goop. And I'm not sure what this goop was. I, I don't know if it was special tree goop or if it was piney oil that they used for everything back when I was a kid. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure what it was, but she put this goop on the, on the branch and she stuck it in the hole that was there. And I mean, this was a, like a big branch. She's like, all right, Patrick, hold this for a minute. Now, it didn't work that quickly. Don't, don't think that. But she went and got a two by four and stuck it up under the branch. And then she got rope and tied it around the tree and held it in place. And she said, we'll see what happens. Well, Thanksgiving, I was at my great-grandmother's house again, uh, where my, my Granny Jean lives now, and Kal-El, my son, was swinging from that branch that's still there 20 years later, still producing fruit. This is that beautiful image that Jesus wants us to see. He says, no matter where you are, no matter how far distant you think you've gone, you can be put back together. You can get that connection again. And that's what it's all about. If you want to be able to check where you are on your walk with Jesus, it's all about that connection. It's all about being a part with Him. Because when you're in Him and He is in you, you're going to bear fruit 
You're going to have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. That'll come as long as you keep coming back to that connection with Him and fill your heart and your mind with the things that He has. That's what it's all about, is that connection. Gracious Father, thank you so very much for all that you are, for all that you do. Thank you that you want to bring us back to you, that you want to connect us with you, that you want us to have your light and your life flowing through us so that the world can see the fruit of who you are. That it's not about us, that how far along that path and how close to you we are has got nothing to do with us but everything to do with our connection with you because you are the power and the glory. In your name we pray, amen.